0: Hey there, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Tinby Bidermias. My dad found his green thumb in recent years, and if witnessing his botanical adventures has taught me anything, it's that gardens change people. They root you in a community, help you grow and imagine what's possible, even ground you. It's a sentiment that's at the heart of poet Camille Dungy's new book, Soil, the Story of a Black Mother's Garden. She spoke about it recently with NPR's Melissa Bloch, a gardener in her own right, and touched on all the ways that the natural world shape and are shaped by things that you might not think about, race, gender, even whether you live in a neighborhood, any neighborhood. And in writing about her own connection to nature, Dungey is doing something utterly poetic, making space for others to do the same and find their way to growth.
1: Here she is with Melissa Bloch. Black Twitter, a people's history, premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. And why not? It's spring, so let's get out of the studio and into the garden. Like many of you, I bet I've spent a lot more time in my garden during the COVID years We've ripped up all the sod and refilled what used to be lawn with flowering perennials. They're mostly native, friendly to pollinators, and about 1,500 miles west of me... Good morning, how are you? In Fort Collins, Colorado, poet Camille Dungy has done the same thing.
0: I'm going to walk you
1: first through what we call the Prairie Project. We connected uh, by FaceTime script. video, oh, Garden to oh. Garden. Sunflowers,
0: and I love this one. It's called Pussy Toes. It's got these little, oh, nice little tufts. There's some rabbit brush, and, and pretty soon, um, as if on cue, there's a bunny. Do you see the bunny in the distance?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So now that's, you have managed to make peace with your with your bunny rabbits in the milk meal that I have not.
0: I have made peace with the rabbits. They.
1: Now, my Um, garden in D.C. is bursting with color. I show Camille some hot pink phlox, some spiky white foam flower, and there's some purple columbine, sort of a deep plum color. But I can see that out in Colorado, Camille Dungy's garden, at altitude, it's a couple of months behind mine. That'll be the start for the poet's daffodil, which I planted just because I
0: had to have a poet's daffodil in my yard. (laughs) Sometimes it's all about the name. It is all about
1: the name and she hasn't cut back the tall, dried grasses from last season, or the dead stalks from her sunflowers. They stay up all winter.
0: To create winter interest and something more interesting to look at, but also a lot of the native pollinators will nest or plant their eggs and larvae under and around many of these native plants. So right now we have a very blonde garden. Camille
1: Dungy has spent many years turning her weed-filled, water-hogging, suburban Colorado lawn into a pollinator's paradise filled with drought-tolerant native plants. She writes about this in her new memoir titled Soil, the Story of a Black Mother's Garden. Her book is about transforming, diversifying her garden, but it's also about motherhood and community and how for her, a black woman in a predominantly white town, Thinking about land is deeply rooted in thoughts about this country's history and about race. I can't dig in my garden, she writes, without digging up all this old dirt. Dungy says every politically engaged person should have a garden. Could be just a pot in a window or a plot in a yard.
0: A politically engaged person is anybody who lives with an interest and concern about the daily complications of moving through the world for so many of us and that's exhausting to live with that kind of attention and a garden can be a balm, a garden can be a place of rest and beauty but a garden also teaches me patience and Mm. that the work of a politically engaged person often requires true patience and the garden supports my belief that that patience can very frequently pay off.
1: Hmm. You also link, Camille, the, the notion of diversifying your landscape with diversifying what we think of as sort of the canon of nature writing, which you mention and as something that really confounds and annoys you. A lot of it has been written mostly by men, white men wandering alone. You mentioned John Muir, you mentioned Henry David Thoreau and Edward Abbey, um, men with nobody to think of or worry about but themselves is how you put it. Why is that so annoying to you?
0: I wonder who is excluded if the spokesmen for that issue are solitary white men and in the cases where they're women, those women write themselves into that tradition of solitude. And You're thinking of Annie Dillard I'm thinking especially. specifically of Annie Dillard and also Mary Oliver. These are all writers who are important and fascinating and write really key texts. And yet... The absence of family and community troubles me because I don't see a way forward realistically without engaging people who have people. (laughs) Um, Also, as a mother, I don't have the luxury of just leaving my child behind and tromping into the woods for days at a time. If I did that, I needed to bring her along, and then I have to bring like a million snacks and, um, you know, <laughs> like stop every few hundred feet. I'm riding out of a suburban landscape where I have neighbors and community, and um, it's a very different and I think much more practical set of questions for how to build a sustainable world if I think about it from my house and who's in my house and who's right around it.
1: There's a moment that I love in the book where you describe your daughter Callie who has accidentally broken two branches of a honey locust tree And you blurted something out without even thinking. Um, What was it that you said? And
0: I have to correct that. I do not think she accidentally broke those Ah. branches. I think she was jumping and purposely grabbed the branches (laughs) and broke them because she enjoyed the sound of the snap. And so just came out of me. I said, don't hurt that tree. Trees are people too. (laughs) And everybody at the party sort of looked at me with this confusion and I realized at that moment that my empathetic connection with other living beings was not necessarily a normalized point of view. And particularly not, you know, in the backyard of a suburban home, I just enjoyed the process of writing about my backyard with the same kind of rapture that so many of the canonical writers write about those sort of far distant, unpopulated, uh, sublime spaces.
1: You do love listing the names of the plants in your garden and the animal life that flocks to your garden. And I wonder if you could read a section that I especially loved um, where you say their names sound like music. Could you read some of that?
0: I can do that. If you come to my garden, you'll see what I mean. Say them with me. Rocky Mountain bee plant. Purple, crazy-headed flowers on bright green waist-high stalks. Little bluestem and side oats grandma. Native prairie grasses. Pine siskins. Little brown birds. Painted ladies. Brown, orange, and white-spotted butterflies who feed on our hollyhocks, allium, echinacea, and hyssop. I do not tire of repeating the names of the many lives I am learning to love. I love that section so much. It's beautiful. Thank you.
1: Camille Dungy. thank you so much. Thanks for coming
0: out into the garden with us today. Thank you for inviting me, Melissa, and sharing your garden as
1: well. That's poet Camille Dungy. Her new memoir is titled Soil, the Story of a Black Mother's Garden.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit sattva.com slash NPR and save an additional $200. This message comes from NPR sponsor State Farm. If you're a small business owner, it isn't just your business, it's your life. Whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners, too, and know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent
1: today.